Hi, everyone. This is Alan Schimmel of DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat. Our DevOps Chat today is with Tim Hawken, Principal Software Engineer at Google Cloud. Tim, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thanks, Alan. Good to be here. It's our pleasure to have you here, Tim. So, Tim, we are looking forward to a nice discussion today. We're going to start off with microservices. And, you know, as we were talking off mic, wouldn't it be a fantastic thing if we all lived in a greenfield world where every application and every app we interact with was, you know, made from scratch yesterday or today, and we could, you know, design it using a microservices architecture from the get-go. Unfortunately, very, very few of us get to live in that world. At Google Cloud, Tim, I imagine you guys run into this quite a bit with customers as well as your own apps, you know, needing to be moved to a microservices type of architecture. Yeah, yep, for sure. And, I mean, so, Tim, give us your wisdom. What, 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 what's your take on what, you know, how do you do this? Or should you do yeah, well, Let's start there. The should is really the important question. Um, you know, microservices are, are great. And um, Google, you know, we've been doing this for a long time internally. Uh, and uh, we're happy to see the world sort of adopting this paradigm. But uh, there are no magic bullets, right? Not in, not in this and not really in anything. And uh, there's, no, there's nothing that solves all of your problems in, you know, in one swell foop. Um, so you have to understand when you're looking at microservices, what are you trying to get out of it? Um, you know, it brings benefits in terms of agility and blast radius and testing and versioning and those sorts of things. Are those things important to you? How important are they to you? How much are you willing to spend to get those things in, you know, engineering time and resources and education? Um, and uh, that's the sort of the first uh, calculus that anybody who's looking at a microservices-based uh, architecture has to do. Like you said, you know, if you're writing an application from scratch, I would certainly consider uh, microservices as a tool in your toolbox. If you're taking uh, an application that's got, you know, typical enterprise apps or hundreds of person years have been poured into the the development of these things, um, you don't want to throw that away. You you want to think really hard and and be surgical about what you uh, change and why. Um, and so that's the first step, I think, in the considering microservices. Yep. If you decide, sorry, uh, if you decide that uh, you like microservices and that you want to do microservices, um, you know, the same advice that I give for anything software engineering related is is change one thing at a time. So to change one thing at a time, that's almost assuming that your app was built in such a way that dependencies and such still allow you to change one thing at a time, right? That's and true. So, did, and I guess that goes to the to the go no go decision is of, you know, should I even convert to microservices if I can't change just one thing at a time because changing one thing will have repercussions down the line. You know, that may be a reason. I guess maybe to vote against uh, rearchitecting. Possibly, uh, you know, change one thing might not mean uh, you know move one piece into a microservice, but it might mean change one thing internally from you know an ad hoc api to a more rigorously defined api and then when are. that's done and stable then you know change that at that, that rigorous api into something that you could actually pretend is a network connection and then once that's done and stable then you can start to talk about well what if i move this to a separate process 
And, you know, what are the failure modes that I need to handle? And what is the latency impact? How does that affect the overall, you know, the, the uh, we, we like to talk about critical user journeys. How does that, how does that affect what the user is going to experience? Um, so, you know, one tiny digestible piece at a time, especially with these mission critical uh, applications. I, I agree with you. I mean, it, and, and that is, I think, the key to it is finding, it's kind of like, you know, trying to unravel or take a thread out of a rug without unraveling the whole rug, you know, pick, kind of pick your spots on things that we can change like that, that, and also that will get you some bang for the buck, right? To do something just to do it is obviously not a, a good reason to do it. Tim, let me ask you, though, typical customers using Google Cloud today. Do you have any metrics on, you know, how many of the apps are, you know, using microservices uh, type architecture versus not? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't have uh, stats. You know, we don't uh, we don't peek into what people are doing. Um, obviously, we we have engagements with a lot of our bigger customers. Um, we help them do architectural reviews and those sorts of things. Um, but uh, I have to admit, I have a bit of a sampling bias problem here in that they really only call me in to help talk okay, about and microservices and those yeah. sorts of things. It's kind of like the same thing we get here at DevOps.com, Tim. We don't get a lot of people that we run into, you know, who tell us, oh, I have no desire and no plans to ever do DevOps, right? And they, they probably right. wouldn't come to our site. But, um, I mean, I I will tell you from what we have seen in, in – um, Surveying our customers on DevOps.com and Container Journal, that the move to microservices, it just it boggles my. You know, I'm I'm not I wasn't born yesterday. I've been in this business thirty plus years. Uh, this is as quick a transformation. Well, it is and is it? I mean, let's call it modern microservices and containers and all of that stuff. It has been as quick an adoption path as I think I've ever seen. I agree with you. It, it's uh, it's the sort of transition we're going to see, you know, maybe twice in our careers. Um, and yeah. uh, this is happening at an accelerated pace compared to things like uh, virtualization, yeah. right? Uh, exactly. And you know, part of it is really the, you know, when people move from hardware to virtual hardware, they saw the benefits, they said they, they saw the demonstrations, right? The first time VMware came and, and showed you what they were doing, you went, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, the first time somebody sat down with with Docker, and they saw what Docker could do, I think it was an order of magnitude more wow. Um, mm -hmm. the, 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 the statement I get from a lot of customers, a lot of people I talk to is that changes everything that changes how I think about my whole application, my, my software stack. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I remember, I do remember the first time I saw VMware in action. And I was in InfoSec at the time, and obviously my first kind of, a, you know, thoughts were, well, what does this mean for security, right? If I put multiple tenants on one hypervisor, do we have, you know, intra-hypervisor versus inter-hypervisor integrity? You know, and, and I started, I knew someday we would have virtual firewalls and virtual switches and, you know, virtual yeah. everything. So software uh, defined networking, if you will, um, with with the Docker and the, and the containerization. And, and then, of course, the Kubernetes orchestration management. 
I, I saw how, wow, this is just so much better. But I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tim. When I went to my first couple of Docker worlds and I started talking to a lot of people who were developing on containers, what I was amazed with was, frankly, how hard it was, right? It was so hard to use, but yet the benefits were so tangible that people were willing to go through this pain to get to the other side. And and so to me, that was that was the telltale, right? That was, if people were willing to do this, because it was, I'll be honest, it was almost half-baked at the time, right? There were a lot sure. of pieces still missing. But yet they were still going to it in droves. And then in one year, it went from like, you know, the overwhelming majority of these things being in test dev kind of environments to going into production. It, it just, it, it literally blew me away. Just, just blew yep, me away. Absolutely. And, and you know, just uh, by way of uh, of history, when when we I was before was working on Kubernetes and containers, I was working in Google's uh, internal systems. And when we saw Docker sort of start to happen, uh, we like literally said, "We know this. We, we we've been here. We we know what's going on here. This is going to be amazing. The world is finally catching on to the things that we've been pushing and doing for for years." Yeah. It really, but I mean, just to, you know, personal antidote, recently we've gone through a review of all of our sites, DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, and, and it turned, you know, we're not in the hosting business. I, we don't consider ourselves software developers anymore. We're a media company. And uh, what was interesting is we're actually hosted on Google Cloud and we're in a Kubernetes environment. So without even nice. knowing it, Right. We, we are, we are, you know, customers of this. Uh, That's great. Well, yeah. Good for you. You're from Google cloud, but, <laughs> but in all, well, honesty, I hope that you enjoy the product. Yeah. No, it, can I tell you, it's rocking. This is a recent move for us in the last four to six months. It, it really, I mean, from a, forget everything else, pure performance point of view, it's rocking. I mean, it really, we love it. So, um, I mean, I, so, you know, I'm converted. I'm a believer. I've seen the light. There's something else I wanted to touch on, though, too, which is part of this whole Google Cloud kind of positioning around microservices. And that is, what is it called? Triple D, right? Domain-driven. Design. Oh, Domain-driven design. Explain yep. to our audience, what do we mean by that, Tim? Uh, you know, it's it's not a term that I hear a ton uh, from our customers, um, but I'm vaguely familiar with it. Um, and I, you know, uh, went off and, and did my own reading on it to to refresh on the topic. Um, and you know, the basic idea is you you write software to solve business problems, and it's really easy to slip between the domain of your business and the domain of the software um, as a software engineer. Um, and to, to start speaking a language that the business doesn't understand. Uh, so domain-driven design really focuses on um, building a shared vernacular with the business where you develop the software sort of very much in tandem with experts in the business domain. So whether that's retail or media or whatever, um, you build your software around those concepts. Uh, you build teams that specialize in the business subdomains, right? Uh, so however that maps to whatever your business is. Uh, and 
the the interesting part there is how naturally that maps to something like microservices, um, because your microservices tend to be domain oriented in the first place. The the classic examples of microservices are things like the authentication service and the shopping cart service and the user recommendations service, and these things uh, fit very naturally within sort of your business domain, um, and so that's sort of where where design driven uh, domain driven design. Uh, really seems to, to fit. I, I get it. I, I could see that for sure. And so, Tim, you know, we've, you know, we've seen Google Cloud become such a, a real presence in the, in the cloud market, you know, riding the wave of microservices, of Kubernetes, and, and so forth, right? And and not discounting any of the other guys, you know, there's, there are good cloud choices out there right now. It's a great time to be alive, right? If you're, if you're looking to post stuff in the cloud, but you know, where, where does Google cloud go from here with this? How do you, how do you continue to build on this microservices and, you know, Kubernetes driven container architecture to, to bring even you know, whatever comes after domain-driven design, if you Sure. Uh, I mean, that's, it's a completely fair question. Um, you know, I think Google Cloud, um, what we offer as strengths are re really superior technology. Google is, you know, at its heart, a technology and engineering company. Um, we have, you know, networking technology that is uh, superior to what I think the other clouds uh, offer and I think most people when they try Google Cloud they have the same sort of experience that you have like really good performance and really good expandability and great reliability uh, very you know highly programmable infrastructure um, and that's a great starting point um, and Kubernetes and and Google Kubernetes Engine GKE uh, they play into that because you know no, no service is an island everything works together it's it's a platform um, but you then take that a little bit further and you know Google Cloud and our strengths at Google uh, with things like machine learning and AI, with things like big data and analytics, these are services that Google offers that you know really truly nobody else can touch. Uh, they're they really are best in breed. Uh, you know, things like Spanner are borderline magical. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, as a computer scientist, I barely can comprehend how something like Spanner works. Um, it's amazing. And uh, I think these are the things that uh, get people into Google Cloud, that make them want to stay with Google Cloud. And I think that really give us um, an edge uh, as the world moves towards microservices. But you can also see Google's commitment to this new uh, cloud native modern architecture where portability matters, where open source and API compatibility matters, where we're trying to you know, break down the walls between environments to make it possible for people to exist in their own data centers, to exist in multiple clouds if that's what they have to do, because we understand that's the reality of you know, running a business. Nobody wants to be single source, you get it? Uh, and we want to give people easy, migration paths from their own data centers towards the cloud because you know we think over the next 10 years that's where everybody's going to be um, and we want to establish with things like kubernetes and and uh, istio and these other cloud native technologies that we're backing uh, we want people to build a, um, a mental model that says google gets it google understands these things google has people on staff who can help me and who can help my business uh, to be successful in the cloud and we've got our best in the world sres 
uh, who are there who are carrying the pager for your clusters. Yep, excellent. Tim, I, as I mentioned to you when we first started, 15 minutes goes incredibly quickly. When, you, when you're talking, I don't know, maybe it's a technology thing. But we're, we're almost at the end of our time. Um, I, I know there's KubeCon and, and some other kinds of things. Where do you think the best either conference or online resource for people to find out more about Google Cloud and, and microservices-related areas are? Uh, great. Um, well, microservices um, in general, uh, you know, there's a lot of conferences that are that are centered around software development mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and cloud usage. Um, if you want to talk about Google Cloud specifically, uh, GCP Next is our Google Cloud conference that's coming up this summer. Yeah. Um, it's always an amazing conference. Uh, we will be there uh, showing off our newest toys. Um, the rest of Google Cloud will be there uh, telling the world what we've been up to for the last year. Uh, it's it's a fun conference. It's it's a it's a great time. Um, if you want to learn more about Kubernetes and containers, uh, you know we do have KubeCon coming up um, in literally three weeks. Uh, we'll be in Copenhagen, descending on Europe, uh, with a few thousand of our best friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a very uh, I still think it's a very down to earth conference. Uh, it hasn't gotten to um, businessy yet. Uh, it's still a great place where you can come and meet the developers of Kubernetes. You can talk with other like-minded users of Kubernetes. You can get hands-on help with Kubernetes. I love to go and just talk to users and talk to developers in our community. Um, and the talks are all fantastic. We've got a, I looked at the, the agenda just yesterday. There's a, an amazing lineup of really incredible talks. Um, so, you know, that's my favorite conference. We're doing now three KubeCons a year. So this is KubeCon Europe. We'll have KubeCon Asia in Shanghai later this year. Uh, and wow. then KubeCon US, I think we'll be back in Seattle, if I recall, uh, in December. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, Tim, thanks for being our guest. If you don't mind, we'd love to have you back on maybe in a couple of weeks or months and get some updates. Fantastic. Um, all right. Tim, thanks for being our guest. This is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com, everyone. You've just listened to another DevOps chat. We hope to see you on another chat soon. Have a great day.